Hello, listeners. I'm Girindeep Sidhu, and you're listening to the Man Mukti podcast, Stories of Stigma. Just over a year ago, my fellow co-host Audrey and I shared a conversation with Barag and Bebov, an extraordinary same-sex couple and their journey to the mandap. They shared with us a slice of how they navigated conversations with their family and loved ones, how Barag's father's speech went viral, and the ripple effect that followed. These two individuals actively advocate for the LGBTQ plus community. Now, today on the podcast, you'll be hearing our follow-up conversation on the obstacles they faced in registering their marriage in India and their role in the worldwide movement of breaking down the stigma that surrounds same-sex marriage. Parag and Vaibhav, thank you so much for joining me again. It's so lovely to hear your voices. Great to be with you. Thanks for having us, Kirindi. I cannot believe it's already been a year since we first spoke with you guys on the last podcast episode. What have you guys been up to since? We have been uh, quarantining <laughs> and uh, doing a lot of work from home. Uh, we spent about six months in Texas with Barag's family. Uh, we learned a lot of cooking, Indian cooking, actually. Uh, so Barag and I have been experimenting at home, making some um, all right Indian dishes and spending a lot of time with each other. I think your paneer uh, tikka masala has become really, really good. Yeah. I'd say it's more than all right. It's actually a hit. Um, you know, actually, in many ways, the workload has gotten more um, over the pandemic. I work in philanthropy. Beba works in the intersection of community organizing and politics. Both were really huge over the last year with the presidential elections that Beba was working on. Um, my organization, the Center for Inclusive Growth at MasterCard, has been taking a very active role in trying to address COVID from the start by making sure that there's equitable access to vaccines. So it's actually been a really busy year. And I don't think we fully realized just sort of how exhausting and stressful it was until we got our vaccines. And I remember the day we got our vaccines, it was just this feeling of like, we've survived Oof, this relief, yeah. incredibly difficult year, yeah. but like there's a toll. And um, I've heard somebody describe it as global trauma. We've all experienced the same trauma together. Um, and that's a very rare thing to have where everybody's been through the same thing together. And so, I don't know, we're going to be unpacking for years the impact of this year. All right, Vaibhav, I saw on your social media that you had shared a post, um, like a screenshot of a headline from Times of India saying, two couples lead the fight to legalize gay marriage. From that, I read your post and you had mentioned your journey to register your marriage with the Indian consulate in New York City and how you were met with a bit of resistance, which then led you both to petition in Delhi High Court um, to urge India to recognize same-sex marriage. Now, I kind of want to take this back to the beginning, though. What led you both to the decision that you wanted to register your marriage in India and why was that important to you? So thanks for asking that question, uh, Kirindeep. And if you remember, Kirindeep, like, you know, when we got married in 2019, one of the best things that came out of that, you know, public wedding was just the outpouring of love and support that we heard from people from all over the world, especially from India. There were so many folks, uh, you know, LGBTQ people who reached out to both me and Parag over social media saying, we are so inspired by your story. This is so exciting. But unfortunately, you know, India, you know, the uh, law of the land still doesn't allow us to get married. And 
you know, it's very difficult. So can you help us this and that? So it was just a lot of, uh, you know, comments that we received and, you know, it just made us think that, you know, I don't know what's going on, but let's actually try and register our marriage. And the reason we wanted to register our marriage was because one, uh, you know, my, I'm, I'm, all my roots are in India still, both my parents are there. So my parents are getting older. If they wanted to give me property or anything, but I would not have any legal right on that. So, you know, as my spouse, he would be able to take care of that, uh, you know, share that with me. But also, you know, we travel to India quite often. So anything were to happen to me, you know, um, any medical decisions were to be taken of me, I get ill or anything, but I will have no legal, you know, responsibility with my health or anything. And it's a matter of sort of equity, right? Yeah. Because there is a long-standing law in India. It's called the Foreign Marriage Act of 1969. Yeah. And what it says is, if you're an Indian citizen, which Vebhav is, and you travel abroad and you get married while you're abroad, then your marriage is recognized in India. Whatever the rules of the country you're living in, whatever your marriage is sanctified in that country, India has to recognize it. And that's true for most countries. Otherwise, every time we all travel, we'd have to get married in every single country we go to. Um, and so this is just basic constitutional law. So when we filed our registration for marriage, we were doing it under this act that says a marriage in New York is a marriage in New Delhi. But when we got to the consulate, it didn't quite work out. Yeah. So, um, and under the same law, it's not just that, you know, marriages outside of India can be recognized. Also, you know, the consular officers have the power to solemnize any wedding. So if we want to get married in front of them also, we could do that as well. So that would also be considered legal. So we weren't sure, you know, what the best procedure would be because we are a same-sex couple. So we took the paperwork both for registering our marriage and also to get married if, you know, if needed. We took our friends as witnesses and we went in there and we went in, uh, there were some, you know, uh, junior officers who we spoke with. So it took them a very long time just to figure out what you were asking for. And, you know, it was just a little bit of a back and forth. And they finally figured that, oh, we're a same-sex couple and we want to get our marriage registered. So then they asked us, hey, do you have your spouse's name on the passport? And I'm like, obviously not, because that's not something that India, you know, does yet. So it uh, took us uh, about an hour or two, and finally one thing led to another. So we, we spoke to a couple of people, and finally there was a senior consular officer, and we said, sir, uh, you know, could we please, uh, you know, register our marriage, and if not, just, uh, you know, give us, uh, actually summarize our wedding if you can. And he said, sorry, we can't do that. And then Parag actually asked him point blank something. Yeah, I asked him, will you give us a denial in writing? And he said no, which seemed odd, right? Because if you're going to deny us, at least give us a written notification that you're denying us. Right. And he said, no, I won't give it to you. And so finally, I looked him right in the eye and I said, are you denying us because we're a same-sex couple? And he said, yes. And, you know, it's hard to explain what that feels like to have that kind of blatant discrimination admitted to right in front of you. In a country which has legalized same-sex marriage, like you're standing in New York City and this is an, a, you know, a property on New York City basically telling you, no, you, your marriage cannot be legalized. So it was humiliating, I felt. But like, I felt humiliated and saddened, to be honest. I think it's because you're an Indian citizen. And yeah. so it felt like a letdown. Yeah. But then we quickly sort of turned to action and said, we got to do something about this. And so that happened a week before lockdown began in, in New York. And of course, our petition is even more important now because during this time of COVID, mm -hmm. I'm not able to travel with uh, Vebhav to India. So when his parents both got COVID in December and his dad got a very serious case, he was really stressed out. He was really worried. He wanted to go and be with his father. Under the law, because I'm not recognized as his spouse, I was not allowed to travel with him. And so he would have had to take that journey alone and go through all that by himself, um, which isn't fair. 
And, you know, when people talk about, oh, well, you're trying to break new ground or you're trying to make new law in India and that's going to take time. Actually, that's not what we're doing. India's constitution right now says that discrimination on the basis of sex is unconstitutional. That's already the law of the land. They're discriminating against me simply because I'm a man. If I were a woman in the exact same situation, married to an Indian citizen, there would be no question. My marriage would be registered. I could travel with him. I could inherit property with him. I could make medical decisions for him and a whole other set of rights. But simply because I'm a man married to a man, they're discriminating and that's not okay. So we and several other couples have filed petitions that are working their way through the Indian court system. Uh, whatever happens at the Delhi High Court, um, we will most likely go to the Supreme Court. And if we win at the Supreme Court, it's transformational because it means that 1.2 billion people will be added to the list of countries around the world that have marriage equality. And that is double the current number in the world. So we could single-handedly double the number of people who have marriage equality. No pressure. <laughs> and when I say we, by the way, I should be clear, it's Veva because he's the Indian citizen. This is his petition. I'm here as a supportive spouse, but really this is about him taking on his government and not in an adversarial way, but in a way, it's called a petition. It's not a lawsuit. It's a petition because we're petitioning the government to grant us the rights that we deserve, the, the rights we should already be afforded. In fact, in court, we've had a couple of hearings and we told the, um, you know, our lawyers told the government lawyers that this is not adversarial in nature at all. These are basically provisions that we're asking for every citizen. You are the government of India. You should be taking care of every single citizen. So we're not asking for anything special for anybody special. These are your people. So you need to be giving equal rights to everybody. So that's basically the uh, you know entire argument of our case, and uh, you know our lawyers are Arundhati uh, Kaju and Menika Guruswami. They they were the successful lawyers who actually fought for decriminalization decriminalization of homosexuality in India in 2018. So we are very confident that they're doing a fantastic job, and also a in good hands. Yeah, and then the Indian judiciary is fantastic. So we're just like really hopeful. I have goosebumps while you guys are talking to us about this because it's just such a big step forward. Knowing you guys in the last year and seeing all your hosts and both of you guys as a couple, I'm so in awe of both of you. And and the fact that you advocate for couples around the world is just so commendable. I mean, I think there there are a few things that like really stood out to me as you were talking, like so many things to unpack, but even starting with the discrimination based on sex. I mean, it's really interesting that in this case, you're essentially being discriminated for being a man, like like you said, where, you know, a lot of times when we hear about these instances of discrimination it's because of being a woman, you know, facing lesser rights or lesser access to things because of being a woman. And here it's the exact opposite. So that's really interesting. And that you know, you even said that you're not asking to bring a new law here, you're really just asking for an existing one to be upheld. And I think that seems like why that officer or consulate person wasn't able to give you one in writing is that probably it is fully within the law, but because of his personal biases or discrimination or feelings towards you both being a same-sex couple, that's what was kind of, that was a barrier there. I think it's not so much yeah. about his personal feelings. Mm -hmm. it's, it's as Vebo said, they had no idea what to do with us, yeah. right? Yeah. But whatever the feelings of the consular officers, they're subject to the rules and the protocols that they've been trained on. And mm -hmm. if you've never been trained on what to do if a gay or lesbian couple comes to you to register marriage, then your default is to say no, right? Because mm -hmm. you are unsure of yourself. And, and look, we understood when we walked into that consulate office, 
that this was not necessarily going to be a, you know, a green light and an easy thing to do. We, we were intentionally going there because we wanted to challenge the system. And that's what, that was the beginning of this whole case. Yeah. But we also recognized that, as you said, existing law already speaks to this and it's all about the interpretation. So I've seen on social media, a lot of people are arguing, is the court the right place to do this, right? Shouldn't this be something that parliament, which is India's legislative body, shouldn't parliament make new law? And just like in the United States with marriage equality, I think India has to recognize you don't need to create new law when a democratic nation already prohibits discrimination. You need to interpret the existing law inclusively. And the job of interpreting laws is the job of the courts. And that's why we've sought the relief through the judiciary. And just for some historical context, legislation has gone into the Indian parliament for these, but none of the parties have actually taken a you know, really active stance on you know, pursuing it and taking it forward. So the, everybody knows that judiciary is really the place where we can get justice. Yeah, that's a good point too, that it's maybe not even just like, oh, you know, that person's personal feelings towards you guys, um, but just the lack of a protocol, the lack of a precedence. And is it the case that you guys are really the first couple where this has become an issue or the first time that this has come up? Like, I'd be surprised, especially given that the same-sex marriage has been legalized for a little bit now. Like, is this the first time they've come across something like this? We don't know if it's the first time that somebody tried to register, but it's probably the first time somebody has actually filed a case. And it's getting attention, yeah. Um, So, and again, this is a part of a concerted effort across India to have multiple couples in India and here who are filing these petitions and bringing these cases to court because we want to get the question before the Supreme Court. We want the Supreme Court to rule. Vebhav mentioned that in 2018, India decriminalized homosexuality. If you go back and read the court ruling. Um, the chief justice wrote a beautiful... Um, it was actually one of the chief judges. One of the chief judges wrote a beautiful statement, yeah. uh, where she actually ended by saying that history owes an apology to the LGBTQ community for how we've been discriminated against. And I remember that night of the oh, ruling, because it was like, it was in the middle of the night here in, in the US, and Babo stayed up late to watch it. And he woke me up in the middle of the night with tears in his eyes. And he said, we won, we won. And he read me that passage. And so it's weird to think three years later, here we are, we've been given this ruling, we've been given this apology. Now what we want is equality, right? I appreciate the apology for what's been done in the past. Let's talk about the future. How are we gonna get it right? And that's what the courts have to figure out. That is such a beautiful sentiment to hear that you are supported as a community, especially from India. I'm curious to know, are there others that you may have encountered along the way that have supported you or other couples that have been in this fight with you as well? Yes, definitely. So, you know, with on our petition, um, there's another couple from Delhi who are a lesbian couple. And just like we are challenging the Foreign Marriage Act, they're actually challenging something called a Special Marriage Act. And Special Marriage Act was created um, a, a few, I think, several years after independence, because uh, when uh, India got the independence from British, we just had Hindu marriage law. So all marriages were supposed to be, you know, registered under Hindu marriage law. So, uh, so for folks who weren't Hindu and for different religions, for intercaste marriages, uh, the government of India created something called the Special Marriage Act. So there is another act which could actually have some provision of a same-sex marriage and that's so the uh, lesbian couple from Delhi, really fantastic. Kavita uh, and Ankita. Ankita are basically challenging the special marriage. They actually went to a local body in New Delhi and saying that, hey, we'd like to uh, you know, get married under the special marriage act. And they were also denying that. So they are in this petition with us. While we are challenging uh, foreign marriage act, they are uh, challenging special marriage act. 
there are several several other petitions from India itself who are actually challenging Hindu Marriage Act, wherein they're saying that you know this is the law of the land has been the law of the land, and a lot of them are Hindus, so they're saying as Hindus we'd like a provision in the in the Hindu Marriage Act for um, you know same sex couples. How did you guys come across each other? The other couples? Oh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so our lawyers, um, as Veva mentioned, Manika and Arundhati, they're pretty famous. They are the, they're actually themselves a lesbian couple. Um, and they're interesting because one is from North India, from Kashmir, and the other is from South India. Kerala. From Kerala. <laughs> and they're a wonderful pair. And actually, um, after they won the case in 2018, um, they were featured as Time Magazine's 100 Most Influential People. And we read this write-up and we were so impressed by them. After we got married in Texas back in March of 2019, Beba's parents decided to throw us a wedding reception in Delhi. And so when we traveled to Delhi at the end of that year in November, um, Veba reached out to Manika Narendati just to say, listen, you two are heroes of ours. We are coming to India. My parents are throwing this wedding reception. We'd love if you would come. It would mean so much to us if you could come. And, they, and to our shock, they did, these it, celebrities. Yeah, it was came. just a simple Facebook message that I wrote to uh, Menika and said, hey, Menika, you know, really a big fan of all your work. And, you know, we are both coming to India and celebrate our love because of people like you. So if you could actually come us and, you know, just meet with us, it would be such an honor. And they both came and it was just so fantastic. And, and they didn't just come, they offered to speak. We said, yeah. would you say a few Aww. words? Because you had a hundred of Vebov and my closest family and friends in the room. And to have these two heroic lawyers who had won the Supreme Court case yeah. say a few words have meant so much to us. And they said such beautiful words about the nature of love and about their own relationship. And community, yeah. And about what it means to have a community that supports and stands by you. And after the reception was over, we stayed in touch and they actually reached out to us and they said, you know, we would love to include you because they had represented Ankitan Kavita also. So we'd love to include your court case as part of ours. And so that's kind of how all this began. And that's how we all got connected to each other. Thinking about, you know, the global community and one of you is from India, one of you is from the U.S. Um, and then both, you know, facing these kinds of issues together. Do you see any kind of differences in terms of how LGBTQ rights are approached in the U.S. compared to India? Are there different challenges, similar challenges, but different approaches? I think one of the similarities is the intense pressure that religious traditions play in both countries. Mm -hmm. In the United States, there was a lot of opposition to same-sex marriage, particularly from evangelical Christians and from Catholic communities. In India, you've seen a similar mobilization among um, right-wing Hindus, but also among Muslim groups. Uh, I think using religion as a way to try and stop progress um, is one of the commonalities. I think one of the differences probably has been that in India, there is such a strong emphasis on family. And so part of the argument we keep making is that in a country that values family and doesn't just value the nuclear family, we value the idea of the, the extended family, right? The, the joint family, all of the uncles and aunts and cousins living in one house the way they both grew up. And so the question really has to become, why would you deny that core Indian value to millions of your own citizens? Why would you deny us the right to live in a family unit? this isn't just about being gay that we could decriminalize homosexuality in india this is about the next step which is saying let us be full-fledged people let us have love in our lives let us have companionship let us have all the rights and responsibilities of marriage and family and as we often say india loves nothing more than a love story i mean every bollywood film 
is about romance ending in a big fat wedding. And so for the 70 million plus LGBTQ people in India, they should be a part of that too. Yeah, and in, uh, in terms of similarity, what I've seen is actually the role of the media, like the way media popularize LGBTQ community, just in general, what LGBTQ rights are, you know, what, uh, what we're asking for and all that has made a huge difference, just like it did in the US. In India, more than anybody else, I think media has played a critical role. So there are, uh, you'd be surprised, there's so many news channels who breached out to us Hindi, English, who've asked us to you know, share our story. If it's Pride Month, they want us to come speak to them. When we filed a petition, NDTV reached out to us, one of the biggest um, you know, English uh, news networks in India. They reached out to us. They wanted to find out what's going on. So I think it's they're doing the work that the legislature or the government should have done. They are basically trying to sensitize people. And you'd be surprised, like local, do you remember that, Parag? Then after, when we had filed for our case, there were Gujarati newspapers and local language newspapers who were actually writing stories about it. So there's a lot of interest and there's a lot of, you know, uh, empathy for the, for the petitioners and for our cases, but obviously it has to go through its course. So media, I think, has played a critical role in, you know, how our story and, you know, our cases are known to the public. Because since your wedding and the petition, you guys have been in the media a lot and just this coverage, how does that make you feel? Are you comfortable with that? Or do you feel like there is some pressure as well? (laughs) I'll be honest, I'm an introvert till I, you know, get to know people. So it's definitely a lot of pressure for me. I get very nervous. I've done this so many times. In fact, just getting up and speaking to you guys. This is just part of my mental health. Like I get very nervous. I get anxious. I get worried. Like, what am I going to say if I'm going to stumble? This and that. But um, I think it's some. But both of us have talked about this. And Parag is such a great champion. He's like, don't worry, you'll be fine. You know, every before every interview, he and I will just sit down, have a little pep talk, and he'll be like, don't worry. This is what you've, uh, you know, you need to say if you, you know, get stumbled, this and that. But just the idea, you know, he's always helping understand that whether this entire conversation is bigger than. So, you know, we are uh, helping taking this conversation forward. So just, and, and you're, you're telling your story to people. So don't worry about, you know, what people would think and, you know, how they perceive what you say, what you don't say, but just tell your story and say it authentically. I think that's what people are really doing. So it does add a lot of pressure. I'll be honest to me, it's maybe different for Parag, but for me, <laughs> it can be very stressful. <laughs> well, I think in general, this whole thing has been a lot more stress on you, not just because of the media attention, but also because this is about him and his family, right? When we were making the decision whether or not to do this, it wasn't an obvious answer. It wasn't like, oh yeah, of course we want to do this, right? It's a chance to make history and possibility for our country. No, it was really thinking through what does this mean? What does this mean for Bebo's job? What does it mean for his his residency in the United States? Because he's an Indian citizen, but he's living here. What does it mean for his parents in India? Will they be harassed? Um, what does it mean for our ability um, to travel back and forth? What if the Indian government wanted to retaliate and, and suspend my visa and suspend my OCI card? All these questions were sort of looming large in, in our heads, but to Vebo's credit, I think what he realized, going back to all those messages that we got on Facebook and Instagram when we got married, he's like, for all of these people around India who are messaging us, who are closeted or who are afraid or who are in situations where it's not safe for them to come out, they can't do this. And we are sitting here safe and comfortable with loving parents and families and with the resources and the lawyers to do this. If not us, then who, right? Like somebody's gotta be the one to do this. And, you know, we think a lot, you said the other day, 
here in America, we couldn't have gotten married if it wasn't for the brave people who fought the Proposition 8 case in California or for Edie Windsor, yeah. right? Who, who bravely went to the Supreme Court um, and won us um, the right for marriage equality or, or Jim Obergefell. These names matter to us, right? These are individual people who took huge risk and made huge personal sacrifices so that we could live our lives. And if we don't find some way to repay that, then we do a disservice to the movement. I have to be honest, when the first time when they sent the petition before filing it to the court, it said, where have Jane v. Union of India? That was, yeah. it, it, it just, I'm like, oh my You against God, the country of India. I, I'm suing my government. <laughs> <laughs> and then it, it actually, you know, it just gave me, I, it took me like 24 hours just to recover from seeing this. Like, you know, you think about it and finally seeing it in paper, it was really shocking. And, you know, I had a very honest conversation, like what I mentioned with my parents. And I said, you know, um, I understand, you know, you're still there and it could get difficult. And, you know, they were actually concerned more about me than themselves. And they being, you know, the awesome parents that they are were like, you know, we totally understand because we can imagine this could have been you like, you know, stuck in India and, you know, still waiting for your rights. You made the decision to get out of the country, you know, fight for your rights and, you know, get married. Now, now you want to bring that fight back home to India. So we totally support you and, you know, we can help. We'd love to help however we can. You know, I had a different reaction to that. I, I remember you were freaking out when you saw the Veba V India. And I remember thinking in that moment, all of our lives, we grow up in school learning Brown versus Board of Education or Roe versus Wade, right? All these very iconic Supreme Court cases. And what I realize now is it's not us against India or us against the United States. It's an act of love. You have to love your country. You have to care enough about it and about the values and getting your country to live up to the values it says it's about in order to fight this petition. So to me, I saw it as a love letter. I really did. I saw it as Veba fighting to make India better. And what a gift that is for your country that you're doing that. <laughs> Because I know how patriotic he is. This is the guy who every year on, on Republic Day, on January 26th, he will stay up all night and watch the parade and beg me to stay awake with him and watch him. And I'm like, dude, it's the exact same parade every year. Literally the same music, the same floats. But his heart swells with pride. And I know, I know how homesick he feels on that day. So nobody loves India and, and believes in India more than he does. And so for him to take on this, this case, and for him to petition the government, you know, with, with an open heart and open hands, I think says a lot about patriotism. I love that. And that is just the sweetest sentiment. It's just so precious. That's huge. You're right. And this is going to be one of those cases, you know, probably in school books is Veva V, India, government of India in the textbooks. Um, so you're right. Someone has to do it. And um, who, who better to take that first of many steps. So and just the fact that you think back to, it's not just you, it's bigger than you. That makes this so special as well, because it really just speaks to your personalities that you taking yourself out of the situation and thinking about the future of the LGBTQ community, um, that it is bigger than just the both of you. Absolutely, Kiranveer. Like, you know, Parag talked about privilege. That is basically what I thought about. I'm like, you know, I'm in a position where I'm so privileged that I can do this, but there's so many, like, you know, when I reached out to Parag nine years ago, I was one of those kids who's desperate right now in India. 
desperate for answers, desperate for support, desperate for help, desperate for rights. And, you know, uh, we had also a very long conversation about this because we're like, we are here in the US, you know, um, our lives are here right now. Uh, is it really, you know, worth our energy to, you know, to invest into this? But going back to those, uh, you know, responses that we received and just our families and the support, we've seen how important it is. So I think just understanding our privilege, where we are, we're in a place, place of safety also. We feel extremely safe living in this country. Uh, so this was the ideal time and we thought we should just go ahead and do it. In, in the nine years that you've been together and have been so publicly advocating and speaking out, do you feel like you've seen kind of like the gears turn in people's heads in terms of people who may not have been on board before really understood what um, you know, LGBTQ rights were about or maybe disagreed with who you are as a couple. Do you see like those gears turning a bit in the years since you've kind of been more um, public advocates about it? It would be thoughtless for us to say that there hasn't been progress, right? Because we see it all around us. We've seen it in our own families. Families, yeah. Mm. Um, when you look at our wedding um, and you go back and you watch my dad's now famous wedding dose that's gone viral, um, it, beyond the impact it's had globally, over the 30 million people who've seen it, was the impact in the room. Because there were a lot of uncles and aunties of mine who came to that wedding who were skeptical, who were cynical, and maybe thought, they were coming to see a freak show and that it would be more entertaining um, and not necessarily a union of two people who walked away from that wedding feeling really moved and changed about their perceptions of LGBTQ people. So of course there's been change. I'll also be honest, it's been frustrating how slow the pace has been. You know, Vebov talks about how important media representation was here in the US. We can't underestimate, you know, I know people now like to make fun of Will and Grace and shows like that that portrayed LGBTQ characters in a positive light, but that had a huge impact because for a lot of communities, and I grew up in a small town in Central Texas, you grew up in New Delhi, and he got Will and Grace DVDs sent over from his relatives in India. And they were all scandalized, but. <laughs> and, and the ability to see the normalization of our lives makes a difference. And in India, that still isn't happening to the level it should be. Not to say that there's a progress. There are Bollywood movies now that feature gay characters. You have entire films that have been made um, that have central plot lines around LGBT family issues. So there's progress, but I still see the representation of queer people in India as being mock mockery. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, so I still think as the lesser. And, yeah. and you know what's really disappointing is how many comments we see on our post that are from young people that are so negative against us. You know, you kind of expect really? an older generation because they're set in the way, but you always expect that young people will lead progress. And again, overall champions among our, our cousins and our younger siblings and, and nieces and nephews. But uh, just the other day, I had to reach out to a younger cousin of mine who is from Bombay and is in medical school right now. And I had to say to him, listen, you posted something on Facebook. He posted a nice profile picture and all of his friends are commenting like about how you look so gay and um, how are, some boy's going to come after you. And I said, you know, I'm your older brother. And it's hurtful to me that you're playing into that conversation as opposed to standing up to your friends and saying, what's wrong with being gay? And I don't think that kind of humor is appropriate. I don't think you should make fun of people for being gay because here's what you don't know. I'm fine, but you might have friends who are in the closet, who are frightened and who don't know that you're an ally and they're seeing these comments and they're gonna go further into the closet. So I still think there's a lot of work to be done uh, among the youth in India to say, you guys have to lead the charge here. You have to lead the change because young people always wanna be the ones to, to create, to, to start the revolution.
and it's got to begin with them. Yeah, I've um, I agree with Parag absolutely. There's a lot of work to be done, but I actually try to always find home. I I try being a hopeful person because I think it's very hard if you're not, especially you know, having seen so much in my life. Um, in my own family, you know, my parents, I'll tell you, have changed so much. Like from not being willing to even talk about my my sexuality, my partner, to being such advocates. I'll give you an example. My parents, uh, you know, used to go to this gym before the pandemic. Um, and there was this kid who came up to them and they know that the kid is gay and the kid came up to them and said, uncle, auntie, it means so much that you did this for your son. Because uh, after the reception, both my parents and our, our story was actually covered by Times of India. So them being like, yes, you know, we are like your parents. Uh, they told that kid, we're like your parents. So if there's any help we can actually offer you, um, you know, just let us know. Uh, a cousin of mine reached out to me. She said, you know, before you told me if this was happening, uh, you know, I wouldn't even bother. If there was discrimination happening against somebody who's LGBTQ, it wouldn't really be my thing. But now it's personal for me. It is personal because my own brother, you know, is gay and is fighting for his rights. So if I see discrimination out there in my country in India, I would fight for it. And, you know, to Parag's point that youth definitely have to do more, but there are youth who actually would fight back these trolls. You see in our comments, like earlier, we would, we were always told once you become, you know, in, come in the limelight, there will be trolls. So there'll be thousands of comments, negative comments, but there'll be 5,000 more positive comments. And these positive commenters would be the one fighting the trolls and saying, hey, how dare you say that this and that. So Parag and I just like amazed how youth are, you know, against it, but also the youth fighting back saying, don't do that. I'll give you another example. So there are now community groups and advocacy groups in India, LGBTQ groups, who are fighting back this media representation sometimes. So very recently in Maharashtra, there's like this uh, soap opera in Marathi that used to, you know, that still is very, very popular apparently. And in one of their episodes, uh, they actually had a LGBTQ, uh, you know, a gay character. He was shown to be very effeminate and, you know, different. And then the, the protagonist uh, in the show sort of like belittle him, say horrible things to him, this and that. So an activist saw it, saw, lots of people saw it and they were feeling very uncomfortable. They went to the Ministry of Information and Broadcasting saying this is discrimination, this is homophobic, this needs to stop. The, the show producers were pulled in, they apologized, they said yes, we, the, the court, you know, the case is still in the court, but the producers recognized what they did unbelievable within one or two weeks within one or two weeks they had an episode in which the character was brought in again and the protagonist in a 15 minute conversation apologized for their comments and said you know what i said to you that day was horrible i shouldn't have said it just you know forgive me and that just sent goosebumps you know like my, my body, I was like, oh my God, that we are seeing real change. Like people being, you know, called out for their homophobia, for their dissemination, mm -hmm. and then recognizing it and then quickly rectifying it. It's not like an year long process. Same series. And I was like, in real time, it's in happening. real time. Mm -hmm. And you know, there are actual activists. And I wouldn't see that 10 years ago. So people have definitely become more vocal. I think people become yeah. defensive, right? Like, you know, there's, there's been a lot in the news recently about friends because the TV show had its reunion a few weeks ago. And Vebhav only recently started watching the show. He only watched it last year for the first time. <laughs> and as I was re-watching some of it with him, I realized how homophobic that show is. So much yeah. humor 
is gay jokes. And Ross was married to a lesbian. Like that's a constant running thread for 10 years. They made jokes about that. Um, the way that they, the mis misogyny of that show and the sexism and the homophobia is really palpable. But again, I was a huge fan in the nineties and the two thousands as a college student because I didn't know any better. I, even as a gay person, I loved the show and never realized how harmful it was. But can you imagine if the friends got together at their reunion and actually addressed it and actually said, you know what? That was wrong. We shouldn't have done that. It was that time. But yeah, we wish we, we, wish we could go back and undo it. That never happens. And so the fact that in this Marathi show, in real time, within a matter of weeks, they not only solved it, but they actually did it on air for the whole world to see, for their audience to see. I think that you're right, Beba. That is a source of hope. So people are speaking up. People are like, we are tired of the, you know, the status quo. We will speak up now. If you misrepresent, if you discriminate, we will speak up. Yes, our rights are still not there. We are fighting for them. But the, that, that does not give you the right to you know, belittle us and make us feel the other. These are kind of the modern day front lines, right? Is within social media and within uh, broadcast or traditional media. Like that's where a lot of the change happens. Like you said, a, a serial show that thousands, maybe even millions of people see acknowledging that, you know, previous behavior was wrong and this is, you know, this is the right way to go about things. I mean, that that is a source of change that couldn't just come from textbooks or from law itself, but really that that soft power of the media is huge. Absolutely. And um, how Veba mentioned that knowing and advocating for someone when you know them personally, you see the issue differently. Just getting to know the both of you makes me also advocate and uplift stories just like yours. And when I see that, I think they're just like Brog and Veba. And to me, just getting to know you guys and sharing your story in the last year even has changed so much. And um, I don't know if you guys know, but your episode from last year is our most downloaded episode. <laughs> and um, though 60% of our listeners are in the US, 30% of our listeners are in India. So this was really important for us to share your story and continue to share your story because we know that there are listeners out there that are going to be hearing this and feeling, yeah, I, I feel like someone's got my back. I hope. And I think I said this on the last episode is always wherever you are, if you're in a position to come out of the closet, I think it was so important that you do because the real change is happening in the homes and in the families. I can't underscore how important it is that you come out if you can, if you're physically safe, if you're financially able to, but if you're in a position to come out, it's so important you do because I'm reminded that in 2015, when the US Supreme Court was hearing the case that would finally lead to marriage equality, so many of the openly gay and lesbian clerks who had worked for those nine justices were sitting in the audience that day. And you have to remember that judges and members of Congress and members of parliament and all these important decision makers, they're human beings. And when those judges looked up at the gallery and they saw that gay clerk who worked for me 15 years ago or the, or the lesbian uh, staffer who worked in my office, it had an impact. And we know that in court after court, in legislative body after legislative body, knowing somebody who's LGBTQ in your family, your friends, or your workplace, or your school, makes a huge difference in how you perceive. So coming out is actually the most important thing anyone can do. Our court case is important, but it's not nearly as important as the acts of bravery that are happening every day in millions of households. And I just think we've got to keep doing it. And we've got to especially do it in our community. 
Now, it wasn't all serious talk. We wanted to know more about them as a couple and their relationship. So here are some of the questions we asked them. Who is the bigger shopaholic? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hands down. <laughs> Who is the first to apologize? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's sweet. Okay. Who spends more time on social media? Parag. Uh, no, Guilty. I mean, yeah, I found the guy on social media, so maybe me. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Who is grumpier in the morning? Who is the better driver? Parag. He doesn't drive in the U.S., by the way. Oh, okay. Well, then that's unfair. (laughs) When we first started dating, he he said, can I drive? And I said, oh, do you have a driver's license? He's like, dude, I drove in Delhi. I was like, well, if you can drive in India, you can drive anywhere. Right. Which places? He got in the driver's seat and he looked at me and he said, okay, now, which side of the road is it? Left or right? I was like, yeah. (laughs) Get out. You You don't know that. You cannot drive the car. (laughs) All right. Who has better taste in music? Never. Who is a better storyteller? Okay, this is going to your guys' new hobby of cooking. Who is the better cook? Never. Oh, that's sweet. I love his Mexican and Italian food. He cooks such great. I'm like, I I turn everything into a burrito and he (laughs) uh, and he makes the most delicious paneer uh, of anybody. Oh, I love that. Your, your, your paneer is seriously be- better than your mom, which is like a huge deal. Ooh, oh, wow. That's a compliment. <laughs> He's impressed by the easy stuff like macaroni and cheese and spaghetti. He thinks it's like a revelation because he didn't grow up. <laughs> he doesn't know it's it like, like a macaroni fit. and cheese out of a box. No, I, I just, <laughs> it's All right. Who takes longer to get ready? <laughs> I love how he, he called himself out. Yeah. <laughs> It's good that Who we agree on all of these. Yeah, and now it's being recorded, so we can't fight too much. <laughs> There's evidence. <laughs> all right. Who has the better shower singing voice? Yeah. He did an Instagram video of like a duet. He's got a beautiful voice and it's gone viral. So check it out. He's a really good Ooh. Oh, definitely going to have to check that out. All right. Last one. Who was the first to say, I love you? Right. Oh, that's a sweet one. All right, guys. Thank you so much for joining us. We can't wait for everyone to listen to this episode. Good talking to you. Thanks for having us. If you would like to catch our previous conversation with Barag and Bebov, head on over to iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, Anchor, or wherever you catch your podcasts and click on the episode named Me Tere Saat Hum. Be sure to like, comment, and subscribe to our channel. Visit us at manmukti.org for a catalog of resources or on social media at manmukti. Remember to take care of your mind, body, and soul. This is Kirindeep signing out.